Thank you, Steven. Thank you. All right. Well, happy Advent. Merry almost Christmas. It's good to be together this morning. Um, Christmas is one of the only times in which it is socially acceptable to ask for things, and I think that's great. I'm personally really bad at it. Um, all throughout the year, you know, I'll see things that my friends have I think are, are cute or, or interesting, maybe, maybe things on, on Facebook, but it reaches about December 1st, and I have no idea about anything that has ever interested me or, or piqued my curiosity. There's, there's nothing uh, of interest to me on all, all of the Internet. Um, who here asks for their Christmas gifts? You make an Amazon wish list or, or tell your friends and family specifically. Who here makes it known what would be a nice gift for themselves? Okay, not very many hands. Who here leaves it up to the discernment and good judgment of your friends and family to know what you like and what you do not like? Who here just goes out and buys their own gifts? Does anyone wrap those gifts themselves? Oh, right. you are getting what you want and it's going to look good. You know, kids are great at just coming out with it and asking for what they want. I saw some cute letters to Santa this week on the internet. Uh, one kid says, Dear Santa, I wanted to tell you I am fine. I'll read this for you because, you know, their handwriting is a little hard to make out. I don't know if you can, but could you possibly make it so I can turn into a dragon, please, or a pet dragon? Either one will do, though I would like it if you can make me turn into a dragon. P.S. Have a happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Santa has to enjoy some holidays. Graham says, Dear Santa, I like you. Do you like me? I would like DS Mario, please. Next year, I will give you money. How does that sound? Pretty cool. It does to me. That's the deal. Congrats, Graham. You have just negotiated with Santa Claus. Henry says, I want four presents. Not very specific. How are your elves? Do you have Christmas cookies? Also, Santa, Christmas is about Jesus, not you. <laughs> this kid's playing a uh, risky religious game right here. Caitlin says, for Christmas, I would like $100, $50 gift card to somewhere I like on a note signed by my parents saying I'm allowed to paint my nails. Sincerely, Caitlin. P.S. The $50 gift card can't be to any food places, and it has to already have money on it. <laughs> Sounds like Caitlin has some baggage. She's not getting duped this time. But what makes this season, December, different from other, other times in the winter? What makes December different from January? They're both cold. Both gets dark early. We have to get up early and, and scrape our cars. It's cold, it's wintry, but they're very different seasons, right? I think it's because in December we ask for more. We want more. We want more family time. We want more yummy food. We want more fuzziness and warm glow. We want more quality time with friends and family. Christmas is about inviting 
embracing more, about wanting more and stepping into more, about allowing ourselves to actually want those things that make us truly happy. Fun, friends, good time with family. We're doing this series called Gift Exchange uh, because we believe that God has good things for us in this season. And God has gifts for us this season. They're not handed out to the highest bidder or the most deserving, but they are gifts given out to anyone who will step forward and put out their hands and ask for more. They're gifts from our loving Heavenly Father, and they lead us into the abundant life that Jesus has for us. The good news of Christmas is that more comes to us. The Bible says God became human and lived with us. God moved into the neighborhood. The more that deep down we have been wanting, pulls up next door, uh, brings over a casserole, and exchanges phone numbers with us. The more that we have been wanting, uh, comes over and introduces himself with a smile in his eyes and calls us by name. God comes to us very much on our own terms, enters into our life very specifically at great cost to himself so that he can pave the way for us, so that he can be the forerunner and bring us into new life, into more. This morning we want to unpack what Jesus did at Christmas time, what it means for us that Jesus came, God in human form, to us at Christmas. So let's pray together and we'll get started. Jesus, um, this morning I do pray that we would allow our hearts to long for more. Not to just come with you with whatever we're dealing with, but truly to want our hearts and our lives to expand into more with you. We thank you uh, that we can approach you with trust (coughs) and with confidence this morning. We thank you that you have good things for us this morning, that you are our loving Heavenly Father, and we can turn to you in trust. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I've got a little bit of a sore throat. Why is everyone looking at me? (coughs) All right, this is also what's different in December, right? We're going to be in John chapter 1 this morning. Uh, John was a follower of Jesus, uh, followed Jesus for three years, um, and then was an early leader in the Christian church uh, for decades after that. Uh, We're looking at John chapter 1 this morning. He starts out, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, this reminds me of another first chapter of something. It sounds, it sounds vaguely like a first chapter in the beginning, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As John sits down to write about his experiences with Jesus, his life with Jesus, is he really echoing Genesis chapter 1, the first page of the Bible, the, the start of his revered, uh, uh, reverenced Torah? 
Well, I think as we, as we look at uh, what's going on here linguistically, yes, he is echoing Genesis chapter 1. Because what happened for John was a whole new beginning. It was of epic proportions. What he experienced with Jesus was a new start for him. What he experienced in life in Israel during this time, it was a whole new beginning for him in a way that he says fulfilled the creator's purposes for creation. So he says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. The word present to God himself, love and life. He created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought life to everyone. Love calling forth everything that that is. It's all you know, evolving in pursuit of his command. Mountains, galaxies, sunrises, you and me. We are love's idea. We are his genius. And this spark, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. You know, the word light, love, has always worked in human history, in our story. Abraham, Moses, the prophets, now, John the Baptist. What is God going to do next in human history? The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. God descended to earth that we might ascend to heaven. There's a gift exchange here. We are reborn. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. We call this the incarnation Incarnation meaning uh, flesh or body incarnated to be wrapped in humanity. Uh, this is the great miracle. Um, it's totally impossible that we believe that Jesus was 100% God and also 100% human. The math does not add up on that one, but because he is fully God and fully human, he is able to fully do for us what we could not do for ourselves. The word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is God himself, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. If we wonder what God looks like, he looks like this guy, like Jesus of Nazareth. The message version of the Bible says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. 
the word became human and dwelled with us. This is the, the mystery, the impossibility, the, the miracle that lies at the heart of our Christian faith. That the creator poured himself into creation. That the playwright stepped out onto the stage and took the leading part because nobody else could play it. The word became human and moved into our neighborhood. And this is not a one-time experiment that God tried out with Jesus. Didn't go so well. They killed Jesus. Let's try a different plan. No, this is God's plan and pattern for all of humanity. The theologian N.T. Wright says, in the word made flesh, we see the glory, not just of the living God coming to us in utter love in the person of this tiny baby, but we see God's design for his whole world. It's not just a plan for Jesus. I mean, it is a plan for Jesus. It's a plan for us too. Jesus is a gift to us, but there's a gift exchange in it. Uh, verse 12 and 13, but to all who believe in him and all who accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. We are reborn, not with a physical birth, but with a new birth from God. The Christmas story is an invitation to enter into the Jesus story, that God has created light breaking into darkness, and he has created a Jesus way, and we can live in this Jesus way. Jesus is heaven with earth, and we can live earth with heaven. And he right again says, Christmas isn't supposed to be just a truth about Jesus. I mean, it is a truth about Jesus. It's supposed to be in total dependence on Jesus because of what he's done, uh, it's also a truth about us. Christmas isn't a spectator sport. It's an invitation. We don't just see Jesus in the manger say, oh, that's, that's so nice, thank you, thank you, God. We get to like join Jesus in the manger and live this thing the reverse way. We enter into the Jesus story. Jesus is heaven meets earth, and when we follow him, we can be earth meets heaven. And the same way that when Jesus came, heaven met earth and resulted in the amazing life of Jesus, radical and love-filled, when we follow Jesus, it results in the amazing life of following Jesus, radical and love-filled. Our lives are, are totally different because of what Jesus has done for us. If God came as a human being, and if God keeps coming to us in our regular, you know, earthly experiences, then life is filled with meaning. The poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning says, earth is crammed with heaven, and heaven will be crammed with earth. It's really kind of a crazy thought. We like to think of that heaven being filled with heaven. But heaven will be crammed with earth, and earth is crammed with heaven. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is lost. Nothing is meaningless because Jesus has come as a human being and lived with us. Because he's come, heaven is all around us now. And that's not just a nice phrase like, oh, heaven is all around us. What does that mean? That's the reality because Jesus has come as a real documented person, Jesus of Nazareth, in our historical reality. 
Heaven is all around us now, not because we live comfortable lives in Hopkinton, Massachusetts and are ignorant of the problems of the world around us, but heaven is all around us now because Jesus has come as a person and has died and taken on the worst that the world has to offer of, of oppression and injustice and risen again. Because Jesus has entered our reality, our reality has meaning. Because Jesus has eaten meals and traveled and worked and slept, our eating and traveling and working and sleeping has meaning. Because Jesus has died and come back to life again, I have hope for life even after death. Because Jesus has returned to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, his voice is still active and speaking here and now. Because earth and heaven have come together in Jesus, I can expect heaven. I can expect earth too. But I can expect heaven. I can wake up in the morning and expect to see God's goodness and moments of heaven breaking into my reality here and now. You know, Jesus' birth story you know, moms have, you know, their birth story that they tell their kids and, and everything like that. Jesus' birth story was messy, but it was also amazing and wonderful. And life with Jesus is like that. There's a mixture of divinity and dirt. Dirt and divinity. And that happened throughout Jesus' life. There's the most extraordinary, wonderful things. And then there was controversy and betrayal and pain. When we follow Jesus, we can expect divinity and we can expect dirt. And when we enter into to the problems of, you know, sometimes just doing life together in a church, we will have like the most wonderful moments of community and love and supporting each other, and we'll have dysfunction. There's a mixture of dirt and divinity. Um, and we see that all around us, and it just explains reality really well. Um, uh, about a month ago, um, I went with the uh, youth group uh, down into Framingham. A bunch of you guys uh, were, were with us. Um, we brought some money, um, five bucks, and bought uh, Dunkin' Donuts gift cards um, to just hand out to um, homeless folks around uh, Framingham. And uh, we meet on Friday night, so that's when we're meeting. That's when we went and uh, just walked around Framingham, you know, 8 o'clock fr Friday night. And um, we had three groups. So I was with about five kids, and uh, we're, we're walking around looking for folks, and um, I see two, two women sitting on a, a sidewalk bench. I'm like, guys, go, go, go up to them. So I give them a little bit of a, of a head start. Um, some of you do know the story, and um, give them a little bit of a head start. And um, as I come up, I hear one of the women saying, no, 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 we, we don't want a gift card. We just want you to pray for us. So the, the kids circle up and um, start to pray for these two women. And um, they said that uh, one of their friends had uh, overdosed and had died just a couple days ago. And they've got some candles out um, on the sidewalk and um, some pictures. They had drawn some pictures and had one you know, little photo. And um, a couple of our, our students just prayed really, really well for them that they would experience uh, Jesus' presence and comfort in this time, that they would be assured 
uh, that God sees, that God takes care um, of people that her suffering, their friend's suffering was over. Just really beautiful, powerful prayers. And um, and then afterwards, it's like hugs, hugs all around. Um, it's just really a great moment at this little, you know, sidewalk memorial. Um, and uh, as we're leaving, sometimes you think, you know, there's so much mess and hurt and pain, right? This is a bad situation, right? And we, we give a $5 Dunkin' Donuts gift card, that's so nice, um, and some prayer, you know, that, that's good. Um, but we're leaving, and one of the women said, you know, I just knew God was going to send angels and that, and that he sees, right? I just think there's a significance sometimes when we show up in love, Right? that there is real dirt, but there is real moments of Jesus' love breaking through. That you know, what what were the chances? You know, how many times do, do teenagers walk through the streets of Framingham offering to pray for folks, right? And at that point, and at that time, and at that moment, we showed up. And it was significant. We can expect heaven when we follow Jesus. And it starts now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. It starts now. Because the word became human and lived an ordinary human life, my ordinary human life has meaning right here and right now. Jesus was incarnated. Big cosmic event. And you know the first thing he, what he did? Normal baby things. But you know the second thing he did? Well, pretty normal kid things. But after that, you know what Jesus did next? Normal, good teenager things. But guys, wait, hold on, it's coming. You know what he did after that? Well, he, he was a carpenter for, you know, the next decade of his life and um, worked in a carpentry business. Jesus wasn't in a hurry. I think there's a holiness about right here and right now. Now is the only time that we can meet Jesus. Right now is the only time I can be happy. Right now is the only time that I can have a real interaction with Jesus. Not in the future, right? My future better self, because let's be honest, my future self is always, oh, she's 100%, right? Not my future better self. Not, not my past self that's either you know, rose-colored glasses or, or excuses or, or distortions. But right now is when my real self can have a real interaction with Jesus. Here and now is when we get to meet God. Like many people, I have a tendency to live in, in the future. It's pretty common in our culture. At work, we dream of vacation. On vacation, we plan work. Uh, during the week, we, we plot our weekend distractions. During the, the weekend, we plan our week. The first high school I, I taught at, um, one of the department heads, he had a countdown to the last day of school, and he started this countdown on the first day of school. So we'd go back, end of, September, or end of August, beginning of September, and it was 182 days of school. Big letters on the top of his whiteboard. At the end of the day, and he remembered this all the time, every single day. Guys, only 181 more days of school. Only 180 left. Guys, 179. We, I, th I thought it was horrible. Like, what a way to approach life and influence young minds. 
And then I realized that the uh, vice principal, who he was always the one in the halls you know, at 7 a.m., it's dark, faculty and staff are coming in, his greeting on Monday morning was always the same thing. Five more days till the weekend, folks. <laughs> so uh, we, we, text, we text our friends when we're with our family. We worry about our family when we're with our friends. And if it's not about the future, it's about the past. Growing up, my family was not exactly the most punctual family around. I'm actually very gratified as, uh, as my, myself and my siblings have, have left the house. My parents are actually no more on time without us, so it wasn't our fault. Um, but when we would go places, load up the family into the Dodge Grand Caravan, and we always had one of two conversations. How late were we? And whose fault was it? For me, living in the present um, is most noticeable to me uh, when I'm driving. If I'm living in the present, I really enjoy driving, actually. If I'm not, it is not enjoyable. If I'm thinking about the future, calculating how fast I need to go to be on time, calculating, you know, well, if, this, if this idiot moves out from my, my way and lets me go faster, can I make up for it? You know, uh, what will happen if I'm late? You know, if I'm living in the future, I can't enjoy my drive. But if I'm living in the present, if I look at the sky, if I listen to music, if I savor my coffee, pray, think, if I'm living in the present, well, then I get the reward of enjoying the moments and times and, and days of my life. I think about um, some of the first like serious Christians I, I knew when I started following Jesus. And um, I was actually thinking about one of them at a small group a couple weeks ago. Her name was Lori Shrimp. And Lori Shrimp would always come and talk to me and my sister. Um, we started going to church when we were about 18 or, or 19 to this church. There were no other college-age students there, really. There was middle and high school, and there were, you know, young families in, in their late 20s. And I felt a little out of place. You know, if my sister was there with me, it was better. Um, I remember driving into the parking lot one time and um, thinking, you know, no one recognizes my car. My sister wasn't with me. You know, if I just turned right around, I could go to Starbucks for an hour and a half and then go home, and my parents would never know the difference. I could just say I've been to church and uh, save myself the social awkwardness. Um, but Lori Shrimp would talk to me. It was, you know, a very normal conversation, just, hi, how are you? Um, but she was so smiley and so friendly. And I was new. I just said, cool, that's what somebody who's really following Jesus looks like. I've since learned that this is not what all Christians look like. But she was just smiley and warm and, and friendly. Um, she did not have an easy life. Her husband was um, very unfortunately out of the picture. She had three kids, a single mom, not, not a high-paying job or anything. Um, but I just thought that is what really following Jesus uh, looks like. And I think that there is actually a connection between, you know, holiness and joy. And holiness is such a big religious word, holier than thou, holy is the Lord. But holiness just means following Jesus well, right? And living the spiritual life well, as opposed to the career life, or successful would be the adjective there. For the spiritual life, you know, holy is the adjective. And uh, holiness isn't about just, you know, 
not sinning and don't do this, don't do that, avoid mistakes. You know, avoiding mistakes is beneficial. But holiness is about the abundant life that Jesus has for us. You know, and as I think about people like Lori Shrimp, I think that there's a connection between holiness and joy. And the people who are most holy are most happy with good things. Like holy people, you know, kids' laughter just delights them. A sunrise brings them energy. A good meal is just lavishly praised. Kindness lingers on them. And I really believe that enjoying the good, appreciating the good, is at the center of the holy life, the abundant life that God calls us to. We get the joy of enjoying life when we live in the present moment with Jesus. Living in the present moment allows us to be us. It allows me to be me, and it allows God to be God. The future is about control. The past is, is about regret or, or nostalgia, no, neither of which of are fantastic. But here and now, I can be me, and God can be God. The present is where God does what he does best and meets me in the midst of my circumstance and my situation in that stable scene, in that manger, with, with my dirt, just as I am. Here and now is where I get to live with God and, let, and see him do what he does best. From here and now, I get to watch God redeem my past and guide my future. I get to notice what God's doing. I get to see it in real time. I can pay attention and open my eyes to what God is doing all around me. We believe that here and now is infused with significance because of what Jesus has done. And lastly, because of what Jesus has done, because he came in vulnerable and humble circumstances to us, we believe that it is all about love. At the center of the Christmas story is God's great love for us. That he just, he loves us. And there's no barrier that will keep him away from us. He is willing to cross from heaven to earth to be with us. He is on our side and he is for us because he loves us. We follow the path of love. Our faith is really all about love. If Jesus came in love, if Jesus died in love, if Jesus rose in love, there is nothing else that our faith is about but about God's love for us. Love and compassion are the, the trail markers that we follow in this Christian life. They point us in the right direction. Love is our best clue. Love is our manual. It tells us everything we need to know about ourselves and about God. Love is our rule book. Love is our password. Love is the spotlight that we want to, to position ourselves into. Love is the, the flashlight that shows us the way. Jesus came in love, and we get to live in Jesus' love. I want to step into that. Because I know that that's stepping in to Jesus' life with me. Before I go home in the evenings, I want to position myself that I'm entering my house and spending time with my kids. Not of a place of like, mm, what needs to be done, tasks, you know, whatever. But that I'm interacting with people out of a position or orientation of love. 
in Jesus, heaven and earth are brought together, and they're brought together in love, not to judge us, not to create a a new religion or faith, not to do anything else, but to bring us to God in love. Following Jesus really is all about accepting his love and seeing his love brought to reality to us in real time in the midst of our circumstances and situations. Um, If the worship team wants to uh, come on back up, Jesus is with us, and that means that we can be with Jesus. Jesus lived with us, so that means that we can live with him. Heaven to earth, earth to heaven because of what Jesus has done. It's not a nice religious phrase. It's not a spiritual goal that we can do certain amounts of prayer, certain amounts of spiritual exercise and achieve. It's achieved for us because of what Jesus has done, coming with us, coming to live with us in the act of Christmas. Let's stand together and enter a time of worship of just focusing our attention on Jesus. And we want the gift exchange of Christmas to do its full work. We want to live into it and receive it. It's really a shame if if Jesus... If God does all of this, and, and you know, we, we let other people be the full recipients of that. We want to receive and unpack and get the full benefits of what Jesus has done for us. God has come as a human being, and that changes everything for us as human beings. It gives us new expectations and lets us live in our present reality. And it brings us fully into God's love. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done for us 2,000 years ago. And we thank you for the massive implications it has for our life right here and right now. Jesus, we open our hearts and our minds to you. And as we enter this time of worship, Jesus, we want to see you and appreciate you in new ways. Jesus, would you, would you take up our attention? Would you kind of fill up our, our windshield this morning? Would we see you? Would we really see you, Jesus, in love, Lord God? We thank you and we praise you, Jesus. And we receive your gift for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.